Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to talk about something I've really never done to the depth I'm going to do it today. I've done it somewhat because we're always working on healing our soul. Science has proven that there is a mind-body connection. And so we're really quick to take a pill and whatever for our body, and that's fine. But there is a mind-body connection, and the state of our mind, which is part of our soul, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, can definitely affect our body. So we're going to talk today about resolving toxic emotions that can lead to dis-ease. And I've learned really a lot about that recently, more than I think I ever wanted to learn. And so I'm going to give you our key scripture, but then I'm going to tell you a somewhat lengthy story of something that, that I realized and that has happened to me. I always want to be very real with you. I really have a problem with being, is the word disingenuous? where you're just not genuine or you're not authentic or whatever the words are for today. I really have a problem with that because I, I desire that what you see is who I am. Amen. I desire to be extremely real with you. And I believe that's what Jesus is looking for. In case you haven't noticed, when you read many of the miracles, Jesus went right to the core. I mean, I love and actually have an iron statue that was uh, on a wooden thing. It's about this big. I have it upstairs. Um, of the woman at the well, where Jesus is sitting at the well and the woman has her water pot. And many, 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 many years ago, I'm saying maybe 40 years ago, and it's so hard for me to talk in terms of decades because I honestly still think I'm 20-ish. And then I look in the mirror and... That deception quickly lifts. But I saw that and I burst into tears. And I came home and I said, Randy, I saw this statue. It was at the old shepherd shop. Some of you might be young enough to remember that. And I said, I just don't know why it has affected me. So I went back and once again, I burst into tears. And it was $100. And back 40 years ago, that was a lot of money. You might still think it is, but I can go through $100 in about 30 seconds. And yeah, I'll just go to the store. Go to the gas station. And so anyway, one, I don't know if it was my birthday, Mother's Day, I don't know what it was. I, I got up and it, that statue was sitting on my hearth. And I burst into tears again. I said, Lord, what is it about this woman? And I realized that I was like her. I had so much shame. But Jesus went right to the root. Where's your husband? Now, I, that's not why I had shame, but just from things that happened to me in my childhood and particularly my teenage years. And where's your husband? Well, I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five husbands and the, the man you're living with is not your husband. And she was so happy. Because this was Jesus, you understand. And when Jesus calls us out, it's good. Yes, it's great. You should never be afraid of that. 
And really, that's what I'm going to talk to you a lot about today. But I'm going to tell you a story first. Psalm 147.3, this is what the Lord desires to do for you and for me. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, listening, listen, curing their pain and their sorrows. He binds up your broken heart. He heals your broken heart. He binds up your wound, curing your pains and your sorrows. That's not talking about physical. It's talking about the problems in your soul, the brokenhearted. So that's what we're going to talk about. Many years ago, 50 years ago, actually, my husband asked me to marry him. And he gave me the most beautiful one carat solitary diamond on a gold band I've ever seen. His roommate's dad was the manager for Zales Jewelers. Is there still a Zales? I don't even know if Zales there is. He was the manager. And he, Randy was able to get this beautiful one carat solitaire on a gold band for me. And oh my goodness, I just thought I was the richest woman in the world. I was so excited. I'd never had anything like it. And so over the years, he got me two eternity bands that flanked the ring. And I had them soldered. And, you know, I really enjoyed that ring for, for some time. And then a, a couple of decades ago, I took it off and I put it on the bar in my kitchen, which at the time had gold granite. This was probably 25 years ago. And when I scooped up the trash mail, guess what I did? Mm -hmm. I threw it away, unbeknownst to me. And it took me and my husband a long time because he went, you threw away the ring I gave you. Fortunately, it was insured. So I took the insurance money and somebody should have known better, but somebody told me about a wholesale jeweler that you could get jewelry wholesale. Now, I'm just going to warn you ahead of time. If you can really get jewelry wholesale, something's wrong. Maybe they're lying. So I went, I took my insurance money, and these people were very vocal about their Christianity. Now, here's the problem with Christians. A tree is known by its fruit. And I don't know if they were really Christians or not, but I know when you walked in, she sang the hallelujah chorus. Just praise the Lord, praise Jesus, I'm going to pray for you, and all that. So, took my insurance money and said, we can give you a two-carat diamond for the price of your one-carat diamond. Wow, well, I graduated. I went from one to two. But there was something that always bothered me about it. I didn't know what. Just something. In 1984, I, was, I had postpartum depression. And my heart goes out to you if you've ever had it. It's a very dark place. Well, depression is a dark place. And I had it predominantly because I had a, my, it was my third born, and she apparently did not think I needed sleep. And so she would sleep an hour, and you know how infants are. They can sleep. Wake up. Go right back to sleep. But mothers can't do that. And I can remember laying down my head with dread, absolute dread, knowing that I was going to hear, eh, eh. I, and I honestly cannot handle 
the cry of a newborn very well, except that you know they're alive when they're born. Otherwise, let come on, it's annoying. And I mean, now, if you love it, great. But to me, it meant you're not getting any sleep. And so I was maybe, maybe get two solid hours of sleep a night, and I was just physically, mentally, emotionally exhausted. I was homeschooling my six-year-old and my eight-year-old, Kelly and Katie, and I, I was so exhausted I could barely function. And I think I've told you the story of how one day Randy came home. I was sitting in my room in a rocker, rocking her. I had such dark circles under my eyes that no amount of makeup, I mean, it would have had to have been morgue makeup to cover the dark circles. I was crying. I had on what I call a house dress. How many of you in my generation, you know what a house dress is? Yeah, young people are like, what is a house dress? It's just a sloppy dress you wear around the house. That's what it is. I learned that from my grandmother. Davina still has a house dress. <laughs> and so I had on a house dress, and I was just rocking her, trying to calm her down, crying. And Randy walked in, and he said, you are exhausted, and tonight I'm taking over. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. No, don't praise God, Vita. There's no praise God here. And so I put her down, 10.30, maybe 11, and about midnight, it started. The eh, eh. And Randy walked in. I'm taking her because he, he was going to sleep on the couch, and he said, I'm going to take her in the, the den, and you're going to sleep. So he took her. And she wakes up for a feeding. He's just going to bring her into me so I can feed her, take her right back. He brings her in for a feeding, lays down next to me, and he slept the rest of the night. <laughs> so I was very depressed. And in those days, a friend of mine who didn't know what I was going through, but is the most anointed prophetic voice, one of the most I've ever known, accurate to bullseye. And she called me one day, and she said, the Lord spoke to me about you, and this is what, what it said. It was, a, it was a rhyme, and most of you know that the Psalms, when originally written, were rhymes. They were, it, there was poetry, and psalm means song. But when it's translated into English, of course, it doesn't rhyme anymore. And, but it said this, you, you are like a diamond hidden in a mine. You have not even begun to shine, O oh daughter of mine. But in time you will see, I have not left you behind. But I've been molding you to walk in my divine and to shine like a brilliant diamond so fine. I was so excited and encouraged. I'm like a diamond hidden in a mine. It was years before I realized that a diamond hidden in a mine is a black piece of coal in a dark place. And it's not beautiful until it gets in the hands of a master who can mold and chisel it and expose it to heat. And I don't know what all they do, but it turns out to be something beautiful. So I lost my original diamond. I got this wholesale diamond. And then one day at the beauty shop, I met the loveliest, most dynamic woman and I told her I was going to use her name. Her name's Deanna Bowling, and uh, she and her husband own Stone Oak Jewelers. And we became very good friends, and I soon realized her honesty and integrity was unsurpassed. 
And I found out, now there are honest jewelers, but there are many dishonest jewelers. My husband used to be comptroller for a major gemologist who is now deceased. And he said, I know the lies that can be, I don't want to stereotype, but can be behind the, the jewelry market. And to prove it to you, my late brother-in-law bought my late sister a, a diamond ring from a particularly popular jeweler. I'm not going to say the name, obviously. And, but I don't know. I just had this feeling about it. And so I said, could we take that? This was after he was deceased. Could we take that to my friend Deanna at Stone Oak Jeweler? And I said, there's something about this ring that bothers me. And guess what? It was a CZ. And this jeweler had sold a two-carat CZ as a diamond. Now, the, the rings, the halos, had a couple of halos, were real diamonds. But how many of you know that's dishonest? So I'm very careful, and I personally won't go anyplace but that. But at any rate, so I took this, eventually, the uh, ring I had bought from this so-called wholesaler to Stone Oak, and I wanted to get an appraisal because it was just, it had, there was something that always bothered me. And it was a diamond, all right, but it was, I think it's called I-9, which means that it had flaws you could see with the naked eye. That's what was bothering me. It was very flawed. And not only did it not appraise for what I paid for it with my insurance money, but it actually appraised for a third of what I paid for it. And you know what disappointed me? Not that I'd been ripped off, but that the people did it in the name of Jesus. That was so disappointing. That's why I am very careful who I give my business to. Very careful. And that's part of the story. But the rest of the story is this. So Randy decided this, when this happened, I'm going to buy you a diamond that's, that shines. Because remember the word, you've not even begun to shine, oh daughter of mine. But you will shine like a brilliant diamond so fine. And I'd always realized why, the, wondered why this wholesale diamond didn't shine. And so one day I would go in, I would go into Stone Oak just to see my friend and I would sit at the case and I would just have fun like a little girl. Fortunately, she trusted me. She'd take out all these massive, like one was eight carats. I would, I can just tell you right now, I wouldn't wear anything like that. It was this big. I thought, well, person will cut off your hand for that. <laughs> and so one day, she said, you know what? I tried on this, this ring, and she said, you deserve that. And so Randy bought it for me. But now I'm not telling you the story about a ring or jewelry. I'm telling you this because the Lord taught me a profound truth, and that's what I'm here to share with you today. Because remember, we're talking about resolving toxic emotions that can lead to dis-ease and disease. And I kept looking when I got that ring. I kept looking at it. And I thought, you know, I know this isn't fake, but it looks fake to me. I mean, something about it just bothered me. It shined so beautifully. 
And although it had a small flaw, you couldn't see it with the naked eye. You needed one of those jeweler things to see it. And I asked the Holy Spirit one day, what is bothering me about this diamond? And that's when the lesson happened. The Lord spoke to me. He said, you're so used to seeing something cloudy, foggy, occluded, and defective that you have a hard time accepting something that looks flawless. Jesus is coming for a bride without flaw, without defect. And I had trouble accepting the real and the beautiful because I had lived so long with the flawed and the foggy and the defective. Now, what does this have to do with your soul? Everything. We become so used to living with the issues of life, with the hurts, the wounds, the pains, the trauma, the griefs, that when Jesus steps up to set us free, we have a really hard time accepting it and maintaining it. And it's like Tiffany shared. You have to cooperate. Now, I used to be an English teacher before I was a Bible teacher. And that preposition co means together with. And almost every miracle in the Bible required somebody's cooperation. Whether it was friends lowering a paralytic through the roof or a woman that was unclean pushing her way through the crowd to touch the prayer shawl of Jesus or a blind man that was being told, shut up. But he wouldn't stop crying out for the mercy of the Savior, the healing Savior, or the lepers, unclean, but they came after him. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Miracles require cooperation. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds, curing their pains and their sorrows. I asked the Lord, will you confirm what you told me about my diamond? And I immediately heard Daniel 12, 3. Those who are wise will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of the heaven. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Jesus wants to remove the flaws called wounds hurts, pains, disappointments, boundaries constantly being crossed by takers and users. He wants to heal your wounds, but you've got to invite him in. I'm not a therapist. I agree with therapists. I'm grateful for therapists. I have no objection but I want to tell you something. Here's the problem. You shouldn't have to need a therapist every day for the rest of your life. The point is to get well. The point is to accept responsibility. The point is 
you got to exchange what is occluded, foggy, defective, and flawed for the master, the potter, who has you on the potter's will to make you into a beautiful vessel. So I'm not going to give you therapy counseling today. I'm just going to give you some keys. And here's the whole key. You got to come to the light. Who is Jesus? First John 1, starting with verse 1, we're writing about the word of life who existed from the beginning, whom we've heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've gazed upon, we've touched with our own hands. Because the word is alive and the word is Jesus, remember? And the life was revealed and made manifest. And we saw and are testifying to and declare to you the life, the eternal life who existed with the Father and actually was made visible to us, his followers. What we have seen and heard, we are telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as, and partners as partners and partakers with us. And this fellowship that we have is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. And we are now writing these things to you so that our joy may be full. We're writing to you so that your joy may be full. They wrote this 2,000 years ago so that our joy may be full. And this is the message, drum roll. This is the message which we heard from him and are reporting to you. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness no darkness at all. So, if we say we are partakers together or cooperators and enjoy fellowship with him and we live and move in and we're walking in darkness, then we're speaking falsely and we do not live and practice the truth. But if we are really living and walking in the light, capital L, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin and guilt and keeps us cleansed from sin in all of its forms and manifestations. Now, I want to say this to you. Last week, I briefly and unintentionally addressed grief. And I told you it's, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. And how the Lord took me through a season of mourning in November and December when everyone else was still thinking the treatment was going to work with my sister, and I knew it wasn't. I knew by the Holy Spirit she was going to depart. And I sat in my closet. I would go in my closet by myself, my literal closet, and I would weep, and I would weep, and I would weep, and I would think, I don't know how I'll go on without, on her, without her. She's one of my dearest friends. She's my little sister. She's my kid's sister. Lord, I, I don't know if I can do this. I'm just telling you what I would say to him. And then in January, it lifted because there's a time to mourn, but it's a time to mourn. It's not forever. I received a text yesterday from someone who I, I actually have heard from quite a few people. One was still grieving the loss of someone. And, and, I, and I'm sure I'm annoying people beyond words because I've had I'd probably 100 people, if not 200, say to me, I'm so sorry for your loss. And my response is always the same. Well, I didn't lose her. I know where she is. And then they're like, bah, 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 bah. and I go, no, I understand what you mean. It feels like a loss. 
And I had someone text me yesterday saying how that my sharing on grief had really set them free. It was another person. And she actually used you, Vita. She said, I always wondered how Vita could walk in the joy of the Lord after burying two children. And she said, and now I know. Well, she hasn't allowed grief to reside in her soul. And the same for Sue. She buried her beautiful son. She hasn't allowed grief, and she's always smiling. But I started wondering, why do we allow grief to continue? And I'm going to give you what I believe is the biggest reason. And the only reason I believe this is because after being in the ministry for 49 years, I have unanimously heard people say this to me. And that is, I'm afraid I'll forget them. I'm afraid I'll forget them. And I believe that fear keeps them in that grip of grief. I want to tell you something. You'll never forget somebody you love. Never. My granddaddy, he was my hero. He's the sweetest man I've ever known. Just as sweet as, as human beings could possibly be. And he passed 49 years ago, April 21st, 1974. And he still is real to me. My mom said, I, I don't know how I can do. I just, I can feel her presence. I said, that's right, you can. Because her spirit's alive. You know, Danelle buried a daughter, and yet she's continued to minister with power and strength. I don't see any bitterness in these people. So, Vita, have you forgotten your children? Sue, do, have you forgotten Byron? Have you forgotten Tori? No. You can't forget. That's false guilt, people. So I just wanted to say that because, you know, you cannot allow a spirit of grief to reside in your heart. Got to come to the light. Somebody told me about a book I ordered. I mean, this thing was this thick. I ordered it, and it was really a powerful book. And most of the book is a study on disease and the mind-body connection. And it's all research. So I gave it back to the person that told me about it, and I said, look, you read it, and you send me what you think is pertinent. I don't have time. And she sent me this. I'm going to read it to you. Now, this doesn't mean across the board this is true. This is just research, okay? A 1982 German study presented at the Fourth International Symposium on the Prevention and Detection of Cancer in London found certain personality traits to have a strong association with breast cancer. 56 women admitted to hospital for biopsy were evaluated for characteristics such as emotional suppression, rationalization, altruistic behavior, the avoidance of conflict, and the super-autonomous self-sufficiency we saw embodied by a particular test subject. Based on the interview results alone, both the interviewers and the blind raters who had no direct contact with the women, were able to predict the correct diagnosis in up to 94% of all cancer patients. This is based on the condition of their soul, people. 
and in about 70% of the benign cases. In a previous British study at King's College Hospital in London, it had also been shown that women with cancerous breast lumps characteristically exhibited extreme suppression of anger and of other feelings in a significantly higher proportion than the control group, which was made up of women admitted for biopsy at the same time, but found to not have cancer. Why did I read that to you? Because if you come to the light, you will not suppress toxic emotions. So the question is, what's eating you? I did a whole series one time called, What Are You Nursing? And I can honestly tell you that 100%, now that may not be the case with some of you, all right? I'm not stereotyping. I'm just giving you research. But 100% of the women I minister to going into surgery, the first question I ask is, are you nursing a grudge? Just to be sure, 100% have said yes, without thinking, 100%. That doesn't mean it's across the board. Um, but I, what I'm saying to you is, it's time for all of us to start coming to the light, sitting in the presence of the one who is capital L, light, and allowing him to do Psalm 139. Search me, God. Try me. Know me. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I will sit in the presence of the Lord. God, search me, Holy Spirit. Bring to light every hurt, every pain, every suppression. Did you know it's unhealthy to suppress your emotions? God gave you emotions for a reason. Emotions can be, now I'm not talking about when something wonderful happens and you're, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah, this is great. I'm talking about things that wound you. Remember Psalm 147, things that have wounded you, hurt you, or the bad reports. That's what I'm talking about. Do you know it's unhealthy and dangerous to suppress those things? Or maybe your spouse really has hurt you or your parents really hurt you or your children really hurt you or your church really hurt you. And we think it's holy and right to suppress it, but the check engine light is on, people. The check engine light is saying, deal with it. Bring it to the light. Tell the Holy Spirit you hurt. Tell him you're in pain. Tell him you have need. Say, help me, God. Check engine. Romans 13, 11. Besides, you know what a critical hour this is, and it's high time for you to wake up. For your final deliverance is nearer now than when you first believed. The night is far gone and the day is almost here. Let us fling away the works of darkness and put on the full armor of light. You know, how many of you know I put this on today? I did it on purpose. I went to my closet with intentionality. And I chose to wear this. It's the same way in that realm you cannot see. 
I choose to put on the full armor of light. And you know what's so cool? I mean, Jesus is just super cool because then he tells you how to do it. This is how you put on the full armor of light. Let us live and conduct ourselves with honor as in the open light of day, not in reveling, carousing, and drunkenness, not in immorality, debauchery, sensuality, licentiousness. You know what licentiousness is? It means I've got the license to do whatever I want. Not in quarreling and not in jealousy. But clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus and make no provision for indulging your flesh. Put a stop to thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature to gratify its desires. That's how you put on the full armor of light. So maybe, you know, you're, you go to a function and you thought it was okay to wear ripped jeans and a t-shirt and Everybody, and here comes Miss Beautiful, just dressed so fine, and she looks so good. You look like you just took clothes out of the dryer. And then that jealousy pops up. Oh, no, no, no. Clothe yourself and put a stop to thinking about jealousy. Don't clothe yourself with jealousy. Don't clothe yourself with quarreling, fighting, striving. You know a term I hate? I mean, I, I honestly just want to slap people. When they go, well, you know, it's okay to fight fair. No, it's really not. The Bible says you fight because you want your own way and you don't get it. Read James 4 in the message. That's not okay. Strife is never okay. You can disagree, but disagree agreeably. There's times, you know, I've said to Randy... And choose your battles, people, because sometimes it just doesn't matter. So he'll say something I don't agree with, and I just go, okay, because it's not pertinent. Amen. It's not worth it. Amen. But if it's worth it, I'll just say, well, you know, I don't agree with that, but I respect your right, even though you're wrong. No, I don't say that. <laughs> I just, yeah, you have a right to be wrong. I don't say that either. My greatest stronghold, because I had so much punishment until I was 20 years old, my greatest stronghold was fear of punishment because I transferred my fear to Father God. And I always thought God wanted to punish me. And it kept me from receiving the promises of God. But I brought that to the light, Jesus. I brought that to the light. Because 1 John 4, 18 says God is love. And perfect love casts out fear. Because with fear comes the thought of punishment. He's not wanting to punish you, people. The Lord is good. And he's always good. Just like Kelly and the team sang this morning. We used to have a couple here... Um, they were British. He's now with the Lord. And she is almost 90 and moved back to England. Lovely lady, Eileen Vincent. And one day, she testified of this publicly. She said, um, I don't think you love me like you used to. I think everybody's felt that way. And it troubled her husband so much. And he went away and he prayed about it. And he came back and he said, the Lord gave me Proverbs 4.18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. 
it shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And he said, I actually love you more. The light of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. And I thought that was such a beautiful story. So it's time to stop nursing our pains and our wounds and come to the light. You ever notice how if you, if you go into a jewelry store and uh, if you're going to do that, please come to me first. And I will tell you, I happen to know the honest ones. But have you ever noticed how in the cases they shine so beautifully? And then you buy it and you think, why doesn't it shine like that? My sister once went into a, a watch shop that's no longer open, but she wanted a Breitling watch. If you're not familiar with Breitling watches, they're extremely expensive. And oh my goodness, these watches shine so beautifully. And she was a very smart businesswoman. In fact, she was a CEO of, a, of an international company that the Lord downloaded to her one night in the middle of the night. And gave her the whole plan for this company. It's a very successful business. Her son has now taken over as a CEO. And so she went in there. And being the astute businesswoman she was, she said, uh, I would like to take that watch out of the case. I know they're insured. And I would like to go outside in the shade and see this watch before I spend $5,000 on it. This was years ago. And they did. And sure enough, when you got it outside, it didn't quite have the sparkle. And you know what they told her? They said, well, Breitling spent $10,000 on the lights. Because you see, we shine the brightest when we're walking in the light. Who is Jesus? Proverbs 6.23, the commandment is a lamp and the law or the word is light. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life. You know, the Lord will correct you through his word if you let him. Or you can let circumstances correct you. But I prefer 2, Corinthians 3, or 2 Timothy 3.16. Every word of God is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, and for instruction in righteousness. I prefer to let the word correct me. Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. Do you think darkness is covering the earth now? I do. Dense darkness, all people, but the Lord will shine on you. And his glory will be seen on you. And nations, nations or people, will come to your light. See, I have a lot of people attracted to me. And the more I walk in the light, the more they're attracted. I mean, bugs are smarter than we are. Bugs are attracted to the light. <laughs> Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How can we walk in the light if we're nursing darkness? How can we walk in the light if we're nursing pain and wounds and traumas? How? If we're suppressing those God-given emotions 
that the Lord wants us to bring out, set healthy boundaries. And for heaven's sake, if you're continually around people, energy and peace vampires, joy vampires, you better check your thermostat. Something's wrong. I will not submit myself to energy vampires ever, ever. I won't do it because they'll take all my oil and I won't have any left for you. Jesus said, let your light so shine. But remember this, the darkness of suppression, repression, and oppression is dis-ease and it can lead to disease. You've got to feel to heal. I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'm just going to read them in a row. Matthew 6, 23, if your eye, your eyes, your, he's talking about your heart, your meditation is unsound, your whole body is full of darkness. If the very light in your conscience is dark, how dense is that darkness? Isaiah 9, 6, here's the cure. Unto us a child is born, a Savior is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This is what I'm saying to you. It's wonderful to get counsel. It's wonderful if you need therapy, get therapy. But you've got a counselor. His name is the Holy Spirit. Let him direct you in the counsel you get, in the therapy you get. Isaiah eleven twelve. the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Jesus, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel. John 15, 26, but when the comforter, the counselor comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's our, he's our number one counselor. So make sure when you go to get counsel or when you go for therapy that you're praying, Holy Spirit, counsel me through them because you are the counselor. Luke eleven thirty five. 35, be careful that the light in you is not darkness. If your entire body is illuminating, having no dark part, it will be wholly bright with light as when a lamp with its bright rays gives you light. John 1, 9, there it was, the true light coming into the world that illumines every person. Of course, this is Jesus. John 3, 19, the basis of the judgment is this. The light has come into the world and people have loved the darkness more than the light for their deeds were evil. We see that everywhere we go. For every wrongdoer hates the light and will not come to the light but shrinks from it. But he who practices truth comes to the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are wrought in God. Here's the deal. If you come to the light, Jesus can heal you. Because what the light reveals, the light heals. And that's the purpose of therapy. To help you get into that conditioning mindset of your subconscious. The Lord recently spoke to me. He said, I'm going to show you even things from your childhood that are still conditioned behavior in you. I'm not afraid. I want him to. I invite him to. John 8, 12. Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. God said, let light shine out of darkness. And he's shown in our heart to beam forth the light of the glory and majesty of God as it is manifested in the face of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5. This is who you were and who you are. 
You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in every kind of goodness, uprightness of heart, and trueness of life. Hallelujah. And therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you and give you light. See, the Bible's full from the beginning to the end. What is the first thing God created? Let there be light. That didn't mean the sun. He didn't create the sun till later. Let there be light when his presence lit up the chaos caused by the fall of Satan. Almost all scholars believe between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, and the earth was out form and void. The Hebrew is tohu vabahu. It means chaotic. And Bible scholars believe that between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 is when Satan fell and was thrown out of heaven with a third of the angels. And it caused chaos. And then God brought order with light. Don't be afraid of the light. Don't be afraid of the pain. What the light reveals, the light heals. The worst thing you can do is stay in a darkened state. Philippians 2.15. Show yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable in the midst of a crooked generation whom you are seen as a bright light in the world. But oh no, I'll just keep my flawed diamond. I'll just, because uh, I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> I'm used to the flaws. Who was it in the Peanuts series? Was it Pigpen? That he always had a dirty, dark cloud. Or the dirty blanket, what was it? He was just used to it. See, I was so used to something clouded and flawed that when I got what wasn't, I thought it was not real. But it is. And I know because I had it appraised. <laughs> Colossians 1.12 giving thanks to the Father who's qualified and made us fit to share the apportion, which is the inheritance of the saints in the light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, you are all sons of light and sons of day. We do not belong either to the night or to the darkness. Thank God for that. I'm a son of the light. As you're walking to sit in his presence, if you're willing to sit in his presence, if you're willing to just pray Psalm 139, Holy Spirit, search me, know me, Lord, show me any way of pain in me, anything that could hurt me and lead me in the everlasting way. He'll do it. He'll be so happy to do it. And you know what? The light will overpower the darkness. Always. John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has never overpowered it, never put it out or absorbed it or appropriated it and is unreceptive to it. I'm going to tell you a story and then we'll close. <clears throat> many, many years ago, one of my little sisters, and she, one time she actually gave this testimony in our group. So I, I, I know it's okay to share this. Um, my littlest, youngest sisters, well, they are little because they're tiny, like, you know, 100 pounds. And they're twins. And one of the twins, and I think this is common among twins, 
was more dominant than the other twin. One was very vocal, very demanding of my mother's attention. And the other one was very, I think it's what you would, what is that term, uh, compliant, defiant? And she was a very compliant child, just very, never gave trouble, never cried, just one of these, wow, I would have 20 children if they were all like this child. And the other one's more like me. I'll leave it at that. And so when they grew up, the compliant, really very sweet, reserved, more reserved one, and the other one that's like me is fabulous (laughs) as well. And it was a long while before we noticed that she had lost an exorbitant amount of weight. And by the time we realized that she had an eating disorder, it was very full-blown. And so my parents put her in an inpatient therapy. I mean, we were concerned because you can die. Some of you might remember Karen Carpenter. Does anybody not know who Karen Carpenter is? Raise your hand if you don't know who Karen Carpenter is. Livy, do you know who Karen Carpenter is? That's what I thought. Because she's, what, 18? They were very, the Carpenters were very famous singers and, and uh, wrote some beautiful songs, one called We've Only Just Begun, and one that we actually had sung at our wedding called For All We Know. Some of you know those songs. But she died of a heart attack because she was anorexic. And so during, and it was the best thing my parents could have done was to put her in this group therapy. And so when you do that, oftentimes you have family therapy. You bring the whole therapy, the whole family in for therapy. And what we discovered, which was phenomenal, I'm not saying this is the root of all eating disorders, but the only thing that got my mom's attention, because my other sister was, had so many needs, was if she didn't eat. I mean, what do we do as mothers? Eat, eat, eat. And, you know, if your kid's not eating, I mean, you just freak out. You got to eat. And I know this is going to be really hard for you to believe, but my safest place growing up was my, my maternal grandmother. I mean, she was as mean as a snake to people. But she adored me. I was her first grandchild, lived with her a lot. When I moved back from Germany and came back to the United States, I actually lived with my grandparents. And uh, she just adored me, protected me. She was magnificent. I loved, loved, loved her. And, but her love language was food. And I mean, if I didn't eat, I mean, she would feed you. And she was a phenomenal cook. Feed, feed, feed. And believe it or not... I actually weigh 50 pounds less than I did then because, I, you know, that was my comfort. Eat, eat, eat. And so my little sister quit eating and would eat what they called safe foods like cantaloupe and watermelon and celery. I have news for you. You can eat all you want. You will not gain a pound. And so... She would eat these safe foods because it got mom's attention. And she was delivered, praise the Lord. Um, 
I'll close with another story, and it's about her as well. And again, she's, she's testifies because she's completely free, totally free. Beautiful, beautiful young woman. Very caring heart. And we always joke because now that my sister, Kathy, has departed, mom lived with Kathy for 10 years, and uh, she wants that sister. She doesn't want me and the other one. I mean, she loves us. It's not that, but it's just we don't baby her. We're like, Mom, where's your cane? Because, you know, she broke her femur in January. It's been a great year. <laughs> and Mom, we're, Mom, stop it. Mom, sit down. Mom, you da-da-da. And, and the other sister is Mom. And, you know, and that's just not who we are. <laughs> and so a short time, sometime after she was, did this therapy, she needed a second round, and that's perfectly okay. And I had a, she said, I, I've got this. I can do this. And the Lord gave me a vision. And in the vision, there was a boa constrictor. I'm telling you this because it's going to apply to some of your children. I can see it in the spirit. She had a big old boa constrictor wrapped around her neck, and the face of the boa was facing her. But she had her hands like this. And she thought she had control because her hands were between the serpent and her neck. So she thought, it can't choke me. And gradually, this boa constrictor was getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And then all of a sudden, I saw she was going to choke herself, her own hands, because it was tightening against her hands. And I told her that. And she released it. And I mean, again, she's completely free today. And she's, I, my sisters are all very tiny, very petite. And that's very normal for them. But I'm telling you, you might think you have control of all those wounded traumas, hurts, and pains, but you don't. And the enemy will cause you to choke yourself with your own hands if you don't deal with the pain. You can either be, be hiding like Adam. He hid himself from the Lord, even though the Lord knew right where he was, or you can be hidden. Colossians 3.3, 3, as far as this world is concerned, you've died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. It's our choice whether or not we come to the light and allow him to deal with the wounds and the pain. And let me tell you what else, the disappointments. The disappointments can be as toxic and damaging as anything. The shame, the rejection, the anger, the bitterness. Stop nursing it. And so in the morning, when I sit in my prayer chair, I come to the light. And I just say, Lord, any hurtful way in me. Don't ever think you're so free. And so the day came when I got a diamond that you couldn't see flaws. And my friend Deanna said, well, there is a flaw, you just can't see it. So that's where I am. I haven't arrived, and I won't until I'm with him because the word says when you see him, you will be like him. We're always a work in progress, but at least it's not a glaring flaw. For the whole world to see. That's where he's bringing all of us. So keep coming to the light. Father, you are light. You are so good. 
You are enthroned in light. I pray for everyone in my hearing, Lord, that they won't be afraid of the light. That the light in their secret private places will make those hurts and pains and traumas and wounds, everything that has suppressed, been suppressed, that has oppressed them, that it will come to the light, that diamond in the hands of the master jeweler will be perfected to shine brilliantly and give light to others. Thank you for healing us, Lord. From the inside out, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.